The reading tonight is from Revelation 22. And we're going to read the, um, the whole chapter, and it's on page 1250 to 1251. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the, of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. The angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of this scroll. Worship God. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll because the time is near. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right, and let the holy person continue to be holy. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to you to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free life of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life 
and in the holy city, which are described in this scroll. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks so much, uh, Sue, and um, please do keep the Bibles open there uh, as we look at it together. It's really easy to find because it's the last chapter in the whole of the Bible. So if you get stuck, it's easy to find. Um, Shall we pray? Father God, we delight in tonight in uh, Keanu's baptism, and we thank you now and delight in your word. We pray that we will hear it and receive it, what you have to say to us. Uh, In Jesus' name, amen. So as I say, it's an exciting exciting evening. I don't know where he's gone. Where has he gone? Oh, there he is. Oh, there he is. Perfect timing. (laughs) Welcome back. Um, uh, And um, as uh, he was baptized, um, we said the words, fight valiantly as a disciple of Christ against sin, the world and the devil, and remain faithful to Christ to the end of your life. To the end of your life, Keanu. So it might seem like a long time. You're, what, 16 now? Yeah, 16. Um, Who knows um, where you will be uh, and what the Lord will do in your life. We're praying for you in that. Um, Many of us will have no idea where we will be in three months or or three years or, or in 30 years. Life is full of unknowns and uncertainties and ups and downs. But here in Revelation 22, we have a very fixed point. You know, we often talk about save the date, don't we? Um, save the date for some, something. Well, here's a date that you should save. Save this date that is here in Revelation 22. And I want us to think around the question of how should we live now in the light of that future date when the Lord will return? How should we live now in the light of that? How should we view the present as we wait? It's actually very important. And what we see in in Revelation 22 is lots of echoes of the very first book of the Bible, um, of Genesis. Verse 3 talks about there no longer will there be any curse. Do you see that? There'll be no curse. What's that on about? Well, the Bible began with a beautiful garden. It was good. It was really good. It was full of blessing and, and peace. God created Adam and Eve in his image, and they knew God, and they knew each other. They felt no shame. I mean, there was no hiding. There was no pretending. And then it went wrong. The serpent, Satan, came in and started tempting and saying, if you really want to know life, um, let life revolve around you. You can know life for yourself without God. Don't believe God and his word. You can, you can just be like God. And the result was that wasn't life, but it was death. It, it wasn't peace, but war. It wasn't blessing. It was a curse, is what we read about in Genesis. And humanity was kicked out of the garden, away from the presence of God, and men and women felt shame. In other words, they hid. They hid from God and they hid from each other. They squabbled and they pretended to know better than God. And there was no peace. And God could have ended it all there and then, and that would have been it. But God is an amazing God of love, isn't it? And that's what we see in the Bible. 
who loves his people, who loves his creation and wants to bless. Right there in, back in chapter 3 of Genesis, he says there will be one born of a woman who is going to crush the serpent. You can read about it. When evil will be destroyed and blessing will come and there will be no more curse. And that's what we're reading about here in Revelation 22. And the Bible testifies all the way through to his coming, to the coming of the Lord Jesus, the one who would defeat the work of the evil one. And he did that, didn't he, by taking upon himself the curse that we deserve on the cross. And if we trust in him, we can receive blessing, we can receive restoration, we can, we can receive eternal life. In Keanu, this is what you have received. This is what you've come to know. I was looking over there for you. Over there. <laughs> this is what you've received for yourself. And you're to treasure it. Verse 3, no longer will there be any curse. That's a wonderful thing, those words. And that's a day marked in the diary that's coming. And at the heart of this new creation is God. Verse 3, the throne of God and the Lamb of God. A picture of God's sovereignty as a throne and, and the lamb, a picture of God's salvation. What a scene it is. That's what we pray every time that we say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your kingdom be done. Your throne, your authority be done here. The very presence of God bringing life. Verse 1, the angel then the angel showed me the river of water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It's really important because this is an image of where life comes from. True life. True life comes from God. It flows out from him. And you might remember, if you've read John's Gospel, Jesus spoke um, of this. He, was a, he said at one of the feasts, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. For out of him springs, you see, this living water it testifies to. And the Holy Spirit gives that now by faith. And so we can taste the fullness of what is to come. Life comes from God. Verse 2, down the middle of the great city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves are for the healing of the nations. You can see just the whole images of life pouring out from God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Not just for Israel, um, but for all peoples, from every tribe and every nation, for the healing of the nations. The devil says, if you really often want life, this is how the devil works, isn't it? Um, if you really want life, don't take this Christian stuff too seriously. It's okay for, for a little while. It will cramp your style. Um, you will miss out. You'll be overlooked. And, and the danger is that some of us will believe that lie, that somehow life can come from somewhere else. Don't believe it. Life, true life, comes from God. And perhaps that's why we often submit our, that we're perhaps hesitant to submit our lives to Jesus. Because deep down, 
we're thinking it will cramp our style. And so we fall back from really truly committing ourselves. So some of us are probably not really living for him. In your head you're saying, I believe, but actually I'm holding back. Not living as Christ-like, falling back again and again into bad habits. And Jesus says, and, and God says here in his word, don't hold back. Don't hold back, because true life, full life, is found in Jesus. It's found in God. Um, I think about it a little bit, um, like, I know for some people being... Uh, the image of being lactose intolerant is a, is a really horrible I don't know if any of you are lactose intolerant. I know people who've been lactose intolerant. It's a horrible thing um, to suffer from. Uh, and uh, I know that it's a constant inner battle for, for people with that because they have to resist the temptation to eat really nice things, wonderful cream cakes and, and things like that. Um, um, because you know if you do, they, they will be in enjoyment for a very, they'll give you life for a very f- short period. And then, and then a, probably, I, I guess, about half an hour, an hour later, it doesn't give you life. In fact, it takes life away from you. And I'm really, it's a horrible thing being lactose intolerant. I feel for you. But that's really a bit like how sin uh, works and how the devil works. He promises so much in the short term, but be, like being lactose intolerant, it, it dang. He dangles it in front of you, but it never lasts. It never proves to give you life in the long run. Reminds me of Edmund in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Um, if you know that story, the, the witch gives him Turkish delight, which he loves, and but yet proves to be a disaster because he's under the spell of it. And it never fulfills, never gives him life. So those who have been a Christian a while, I think, can testify this. I can testify this. Those things I always regret. Costly decision it is to follow Jesus, yet you'll never regret that. Never. True life is found walking with him day by day. Because ultimately it will fulfill us. Uh, our longings and our dreams and our hopes will found, be found in him. Why do I say that? Well, if you look at verse 4, what does it say? It says, they will see his face. And we can skip over that, but, but to see the face of God. You know, Moses wanted to see the face of God, but he wasn't allowed to, to see um, God's face. But he's saying here, those who are in Christ Jesus, who know the Lamb, will see God's face. Isn't that an amazing thought? Helen Keller is an American author and um, disability advocate. She's blind. She went blind at the age of two, I believe. And she, she was asked one day, if you could see for a day, what would you look at? If you just had a day, what would you look at? And she replied, I'd call up all my friends and I would just spend the day looking into their faces. Spend a day looking into their faces. Gazing into someone's face. You, you know when you've done that. It's an intimate experience, isn't it? It's an experience of relationship. And, that, and what uh, the writer here, John, is saying is that we can have that in part now by faith. But on that day, the date that's marked out, the save the date, we'll have it fully. You'll see God. Face to face. 
a moment of great fulfillment, a moment of great um, intimacy, deeply loved by God. And how often we cry out for that, don't we? We cry out for it. We have longings, longings for identity, longings for security, to be fully known, to somebody really stare us in the face and to know us intimately in that way. We say things like, do I look all right in this? Or we say things, have I done enough to get your approval? Or I say, can I be in with the in crowd? Can I get in with you? And yet the only place for this real deep intimacy and security and identity is in the face of God. It is only found in him, in the love of God, as you see him face to face. And we can know it part in part now by faith, but then we will fully know 1 Corinthians 13, isn't it? I made you, I love you, I died for you, I am with you. That's what God says to us. Verse 4 again, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. It's a, it's a mark, isn't it? It's a mark of belonging. It's on the forehead, you belong as a much-loved child of God. That's a wonderful thing. It might not be longing for identity that you struggle with, but maybe it's longing for purpose. You think, why am I here? Why am I born? what's, What's the point? Am I just an accident? Well, the Bible says here in Revelation 22 that it wasn't. We're created for a reason, for a purpose. And that purpose is to serve and to worship God. Verse 3, the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. And then verse 5, just as you think, well, that doesn't sound that great, you might think. We are told, and they, talking about the people of God, will reign forever and ever. So as you serve, you reign forever and ever with God. I mean, what did you think we were going to be doing in heaven? Did you think it was going to be an eternal crossword competition? Or a a forever board games night? Or an endless scrabble? uh, Lounging around doing your nails? Picking up shells on beaches? I know that some of those things will be there, maybe. But you get my point. Um, I'm not saying they're not good things if you're into board games. I know you're into board games, aren't you? (laughs) So sorry, board gamers. Um, But you get my point. We will be serving God and worshipping him through it and one another, and yet at the same time, we'll be rejoicing it and glorifying it. We'll be productive in a perfect world. Somehow, things will just get on going on, getting better and better, and we will love doing it. We'll have a purpose. We will have a purpose. Verse 5, and they will reign forever and ever. Sounds like a great place to, to end, isn't it? Should we just end there? But John doesn't end there. The, the vision doesn't end. Verse 6, onwards we are brought actually right back to the present world. So we've been lofted up and seen this future in verses 1 to 5. And then we're brought back. And Jesus speaks a repeated message here in verses 7, 12, and 20. You may have picked it up. It says, look, I am coming soon. And that's what he's telling us here tonight. Look, I am coming soon. 
Just as the universe has a definite beginning, the universe has a definite end. It's not in a kind of slow decline. And there is a destination. It says soon. Jesus is coming soon. But what does soon mean after 2,000 years? 2 Peter 3, 8 says, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. You get the point. He'll come. He's promised he's coming. Make sure that you're ready. Because it's soon. Yeah? Soon and very soon we're going to see the Lord. I'm sure there was a song. Some of the older folk might know that. Soon and very soon. I'm not going to start singing. I'll embarrass my son. <laughs> and they're starting singing. It's just embarrassing. It's a lovely song. <laughs> Maybe we should sing that one. <laughs> It's, it's not just a word about times this soon. It's a, it's a word about theology. Um, you see, there is a date left in the calendar. We've already mentioned it. There's incarnation of God. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. There's Good Friday. There's the resurrection. There's the ascension. There's Pentecost. And save the date. He's returned soon. Now, in the light of that, as we end, two instructions to finish with. The first is that we need to obey God's word. Verse 6, the angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must happen. Verse three, uh, verse 7, blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. Revelation wraps up, doesn't it, the, the Bible. This is the word of God. Um, we are to take it very seriously. Uh, and that's why we gave Keanu um, a Bible with the words, receive this book. It is the good news of God's love. Take it as your guide to a new life through faith in Christ. It's really, really important. Don't, it says, seal it up in verse 10. Do you see that? Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of the scroll because the time is near. It's so easy, isn't it, to ignore the Bible at times, to seal it up, to hide it, to ignore it, to, to, don't, to let it kind of gather dust, to pretend that it says one thing and, and do another thing. We need to open it up. We need to open it up and we need to never doubt that it is true and good for us. It may be hard to understand. It may be difficult to follow. But never doubt that it's good and true. And don't get out of the habit of reading it. Let it be the first thing that you pack when you go away. Take it with you wherever you go. Don't add to it as well and don't subtract from it. Verse 18 is a warning for us. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in the scroll. And if anyone takes words away from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life. The word of God is complete. It is sufficient for us. Uh, and in a sense, that is often what grieves me the most. Sometimes we, we pick the bits out that seem most palatable to us, the bits that we kind of like, seemingly, and then we ignore other parts. And plenty have tried to do this over the years. People are doing it today. But God says, no, everything you need, 
Everything you need for life, everything you need for salvation is in this book. Don't take away from it. But don't add to it either. But don't subtract from it. There was a minister in, in Wales, a, a story a few years back. He, he didn't like the idea of judgment and hell. So what he decided to do with the Bible is he, he, he basically took a pair of scissors and he cut out every reference to it in the Bible. And of course, he was left, it was left in tatters just because you can't do that with the Bible. You would be left with bits. We can't do that with the bits we find unpalatable. So don't add, don't subtract, but obey it. And do you notice that John begins to, to worship the angel and the angel has to stop uh, John from worshipping him in verse 9. He says, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of this scroll. Worship God, that's what he says. What does it mean to keep the word of God? If we obey and if we're keeping the word of God, it means that we're worshipping God. I know we sing and that's part of our worship, but actually... Our obedience is, is all part of our worship, our life of discipleship with God. That is worship. We're worshiping God in everything. So um, that's the, the first thing to conclude with. And the second thing is to trust God's salvation. Trust God's salvation. Verse 14. This is Jesus speaking here, okay? It's really, he switches from the angel to... To Jesus speaking here, it says, Blessed are those who are washed their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. If you imagine for a moment that you're invited to see the king at Buckingham Palace, that'd be great. Some of you may have even have had that experience. What would you turn up in? What kind of clothes would you go? Would you go in your jeans and T-shirts? In a onesie, maybe. I know, Kiani, you'd go in a onesie, wouldn't you? <laughs> um, your tracky bottoms uh, and whatever, kind of, oh, I'm not going to make much of a, an effort. You'd go, no, you wouldn't. You would, you'd go in your best. You'd, you'd clean up and you'd look presentable. And you see, the image here of, of having our clothes washed is that, that Jesus is saying, you know, we all have grubby clothes. We'll all fallen short of the glory of God, of his standards, that we're not fit on our own to stand in his presence. And that without Christ, we're, we're, without him, we're put outside. That's the terrible reality, isn't it, of our, our sin and the, and the curse. As it says here in verse 15, and again, this is Jesus speaking. He says, outside of the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexual immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Yet there's hope. There's a wonderful salvation on offer for each of us here tonight. As we can have our robes washed, as it were, uh, we can be made clean, we can have our sin washed away. Keanu's baptism symbolizes that beautifully, doesn't it? about it be, us being washed. Back in chapter 7, if you've been with us as we've gone through Revelation, John saw a picture of people uh, of God all dressed as white. And they had been washed. They had been made white. And how, did they, how, did they make, how were they made white? They were made white in the blood of the Lamb. 
Jesus. And you see, what's really, really important for us to understand about salvation and about the gospel is that don't try and clean up yourself. Just don't try that, trying to be good because, or be good enough or try and clean yourself, outwardly or inwardly in this way. Jesus says, let me do it. I must do it for you because there is no way to present you clean before God. And so perhaps you're here and you feel guilty. I don't know what for. It might be things that you shouldn't have done. You're feeling outside the presence of God. Don't try and clean up yourself. Don't try and do it yourself. You'll never be able to do it. Only let Jesus do it for you because he has done it for you. He's done it through the cross. Just accept the cleansing offered by God to all who trust in his son Jesus. He died for you and for me on the cross. His blood paid for it all. And Revelation 22 says, come to him. Come to him and be clean. That's an offer. It's a free gift. It is grace. Verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life. There it is. It's a free gift. All those unfulfilled longings, those unfulfilled dreams that we have. And God says to us here in Revelation 22, you just simply need to come because he comes to you and offers you the gift of salvation. Come to Jesus. Come tonight. I'd love to talk to anyone who would like to know about uh, how I can be a Christian, how I can receive it. Come to Jesus, verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Save the date. It is coming. He is coming. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. It's one of the few places right at the end of the Bible where Jesus is quoted here as using the Aramaic, which is, as some of you might know, is Maranatha, which means, come, Lord. Come, Lord. You see, for, for those who have trusted in the Lord Jesus, we're, we're desperate to see Jesus. We're desperate to, to sort things out, the mess in our world and in our lives and in our hearts. We want him to come. So we cry, Maranatha. He's coming. He's going to put things right. And the most important thing that we can do is come to him and receive him because he is coming. Nothing more important than doing that. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Let me just pray for a moment as the band come up. Um, let's just take a moment, perhaps... You've not really come to Jesus tonight. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to do that. Maybe just in the quietness of your heart to receive Jesus. To let him wash you of your sins. Let him restore you. Let him give you his spirit. That you may have life. The water of life. Father God, Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he is the Lamb of God 
who takes away the sin of the world. We come to you seeking to receive him. May he come into our hearts and our lives this night. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.